Hi, I'm Jeff Abbott, and you're listening to Gut Talks, double G, U, double T. Hi, everyone. I'm Maria, and welcome to season three of Gut Talks, double G, U, double T, a podcast about business, design, and gut feelings. I started Gut Talks a couple of years ago to educate, spread some karma on the board, connect, reconnect, or learn from awesome entrepreneurs, industry leaders, and investors. By the way, there are no sponsors on the show, but a like, a share, comment, and hitting the subscribe button would mean a lot. Now let's get started. So this is the next episode of our segment with Jeff Abbott, where we talk about scaling through blitzscaling. Here we go. Is there a story, because you've been doing that for a few years now, is there a story of a like blitzscaling initiative? I'm not going to say gone wrong, but where things could have been done in a different way. Certainly. There's a number of stories, including probably the most visible one that Chris and Reed have talked about, where blitzscaling led to blitz failing. And that is WeWork. As we've seen in the news recently, to everyone's amazement, the former founder of WeWork was able to raise the single largest amount of VC funding ever, $350 million for a company that doesn't even have a website or a clear explanation of what it's going to be doing. A concept. Right. So if we had had these scoring tools available at the time that WeWork was being started and you know investors were first looking at it, we would not have invested in WeWork for a number of reasons. Number one, so again, our scoring methodology looks at, is there or is there not a land grab opportunity or a winner takes all situation? And the answer is no. And the reason for that is WeWork is a commercial office space provider. It is not possible or even necessary for one company to own literally all commercial office space. So even though WeWork may offer a dozen locations in a large city, they're on one corner. And if you look across the corner, there's another option on every other corner. So it's not possible that the winner takes all because there's simply so much commercial office space that you're only going to take a small piece of it. So the next question would be, well, are you generating network effects? Is there some strong and compelling reason why people want to work here and nowhere else? And they're willing to pay more for that And there's something that prevents them from ever leaving, that your service is so indispensable that they could never imagine leaving. And again, that the argument falls down because, well, they tried to create community, but that community was all local. It was what happened inside every building. Now, theoretically, you could be a member and go to a number of different locations, but in most cases, people didn't do that. Number two, there wasn't a piece of software that allowed everyone to collaborate inside WeWork and you know, made introductions so that being a member of WeWork was sort of a subset of LinkedIn. But even if they had created that in a timely manner, they still wouldn't have been LinkedIn, right? Where everyone else that doesn't work at WeWork is on LinkedIn. And so there would have never been a strong reason to just continue to belong to WeWork due to the connections or the utility of of what was going on there because everyone was already on on LinkedIn. So that argument kind of falls down. The third thing is clearly, you know, scalable distribution, acquiring buildings and long-term leases, renovating them, spending millions to equip them and furnish them is not terribly scalable. We all know that commercial real estate is a very large market, enormous, one of the largest in the world. It's also a very low margin business. And so one of the reasons that you would choose to blitz scale would be 
to gain a scale advantage by prioritizing speed over efficiency by losing money in order to get to a point where you could stop and say, okay, I'm now the largest, and you could prioritize efficiency and come back to just reaping the rewards of scale in a business that's highly profitable. But when the business is commercial real estate, it's never going to be highly profitable. So you were pouring billions, literally billions of dollars into this rapid breakneck growth only to arrive at a position in a business with low single digit margins. What was the benefit of that scale? And in fact, when you went back in and looked at their SEC filings, one analysis I saw showed that they would have had to have 180% occupancy to break even based on the rates that they were charging. So not only were margins poor in the fund, in the base business, that they were actually investing so much in inefficient growth that even full occupancy would not have stopped them from losing substantial amounts of money. In other words, this was a business that should never have blitz scale and would never have blitz scaled if investors had followed the way of thinking that we've created out of the blitz scaling framework. However, because it did blitz scale and fail, that's often an argument used against the reliability or the desirability of blitz scaling. It's, it's one of the major criticisms brought at the book and the way of working, even though none of us, particularly the authors who've gone on record, would have ever invested in this company based on the reasons described. Yeah, I guess it's a good case study anyway, because it's yeah. very intriguing, especially what's happening now. It starts with the gut. It ends with the gut. It's in your gut. Gut Talks. Thanks for listening. Subscribe, share, or like to get notified about the upcoming episodes of this segment and upcoming segments.